Cora, I am so excited and delighted to have you on the show today. Um, let me first say, before we even jump into the questions, that you're just such a breath of fresh air. Um, and the the level of just uh, light and love uh, that you bring to this world is amazing. So just thank you for being you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So all right, pastor, best-selling author, preacher. And when I say preacher, I mean like preacher, preacher. Um, <laughs> I think when the world looks at you, they would think uh, that, you know, you've never had any problems or challenges. You know, you come from a family that has this incredible name and, and legacy. Um, but that's really far from the truth. I, I would love it if you could just kind of take us back to, you know, your childhood and, and growing up and how you grew into the woman that you are today. Well, I am... 32. So childhood memories are, uh, they're fleeting. They're fleeting. However, I can most certainly remember just the love of our unity as a family, you know, growing up um, in this mega family, in this mega church with a mega spotlight on us was very, very um, challenging, but it made it easier because there's five of us. I've got a sister and three brothers. And so we just kind of made a huge point to become very, very connected and united. We all have a pair and then everybody kind of covers Dexter. So my sister and I are 11 months and 28 days apart. Wow. My uh, my brothers and I are seven years apart. My uh, my sister and I are seven years apart from my brother Dexter. My Dex my my Dexter my brother Dexter is seven years apart from Malachi. So we all kind of just come together and and have remained a unit when you're living in a fish bowl mm -hmm. i guess you have to get get used to the fish that are in the bowl with you and so we we grew up kind of under this um understanding that with a lot of great advantages there was going to be equal if not greater disadvantages growing up and um and so we all had our position and our post has always been the child of faith i was always the one praying and um, send, my sister would say, sending people to hell. Uh, I, I was very, very, very radical as a teenager uh, for, for just faith and wanting people to just live their life to the glory of God. Um, and now I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm an author, and all of that I know for sure, it, it has come from, from the upbringing of my family, the upbringing of my parents, and, and just having such a close-knitted, strong family I know has made me the person I am today. Absolutely. No, absolutely. So let's, let's, talk, let's talk about, uh, you, you mentioned being a, a mother. Um, I think that many people, you know, they see the pictures of your children, they're like, oh, perfect life, you know, just wonderful, beautiful family. Um, but behind that picture, uh, there was a lot of struggle. And I would love it if you could share about that. Because I remember 
Uh, when we first started following each other on Instagram, you made a post. Uh, there was a woman who you were making posts about praying through uh, infertility. And she said something to the effect of, you know, you shouldn't be speaking about that. You know, you need to just like speak life. And you were like, ma'am, uh, <laughs> I hear what you're saying. However, we need to be honest and, and, and encourage people with our truth. So I would <laughs> love if you could just share that story um, and, and how you remained faithful through that. Well, um, I was diagnosed with infertility, polycystic ovarian syndrome um, at the age of 22. Um, and so it was a, a huge shock for me. It was a complete um, devastating thing for me. I've always grown up kind of wanting to be a mother. That was just like my whole thing from 10 years old to now, just really, really wanting to be a mother. And so um, when I got diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, which can cause infertility, I asked the Lord to turn it into something because I just didn't want to be going through this huge battle, this huge war within myself and it not be used to help someone else. And so I understand that we can heal a lot of people just in being real with our hearts. And I've never been the kind of person to say that you can't heal people while you're hurting. I believe that the, the greatest story, uh, of course, that I live and am founded on is the woman with the issue of blood and her story healed us while she was bleeding. It heals us to know that she had that kind of faith. It heals us to know that she had that kind of love. Uh, it heals us to know that she had that kind of reach for God. And so my, my whole movement, I guess, rather, is about letting people know that you can heal people while you're hurting, that you can be truthful, that you can tell the truth. The truth is easier for me to remember. Um, but I also know that a lot of people are uncomfortable with truths. And so whenever I post, I know that I'm going to get like a lot of people who are like, amen. And then a lot of people who feel like you're too transparent, you're giving too much information, you, you shouldn't share all of that. Um, and I'm just not, I, I'm trying to find a better way to explain what I'm about to say. And I still haven't found the words, the politically correct words. Maybe you will help me. I don't care about people and their opinions of me. I just, I really don't. Um, I've tried very hard to care about how people feel about me, but I remember life before social media. You know, I, I, I'm very, very strong in my relationships. Like, I believe that I would be just fine if I have no followers. I, I'm going to be fine. I just, I'm just, that's just how I live. And so I post knowing that I'm going to have like hundreds of people that agree and then like 10 or 12 yep. that are like, no, don't say that. Right. <laughs> but it's my, it's my truth. It's my, it's my obedient truth to God to share the authenticity of what's going on. And for infertility can be such a shameful thing. And I just want people to know you don't have to be shamed. We don't shame people that have cancer. So, so we shouldn't shame people that have infertility. It's not like I woke up and was like, yay, infertility today. That'll be my portion. Nobody wakes up wanting a disease, wanting, um, wanting a condition. You just learn how to live through that and use it to help someone else. I, I personally appreciate your transparency because um, I was also diagnosed with PCOS. And um, before I had 
my oldest son, um, we got pregnant spontaneously. I mean, they told us we would never be able to get pregnant and we did, uh, but we lost that pregnancy and miscarriage. And I remember walking through that season with people who were like, when are y'all going to have kids? And you know, why are y'all waiting so long and all this? And, and I think, you know, people mean well, but, but, but you don't understand uh, you know, that that's very hurtful. And so, you know, getting the baby shower invitations, right. And you, you have this desire in your heart that isn't met yet. Um, is very, very difficult. And for people to be so mean spirited and say, why are you even talking about this? I've always viewed social media as it's your kind of like benevolent dictatorship at the end of the day, you know, it's yours. So <laughs> if somebody wants to come at you, you can easily block and delete, um, or you can be more diplomatic and explain yourself, but you don't have to um, because right. it's, it's your it's your ministry. Um, so now that now that you have children or you've been raising children, uh, what what has motherhood taught you about yourself? Wow, that's a very good question. Um, again, I'm I'm just a transparent person. I think a lot of motherhood has taught me how um, emotionally unavailable I can be, mm-hmm. um, if, if I can say that correctly. Um, I, because like I said, I don't, I often do not care about how people think about me. And so emotionally having to be present in the caring of my children from an emotional standpoint has been the most difficult thing, trying to be with my daughter who has just kind of started womanhood uh, emotionally has been uh, very difficult because she is emotional. And so I'm like, not anywhere close to emotional. And so I, I tried to figure out how to be emotionally available for my children. Motherhood has taught me how to balance Um, my self-care and being able to really, really take time to take care of me with that understanding that if I'm not okay, I won't be able to help anybody else. Um, And motherhood has taught me that it's not about birthing. I think that may be the biggest lesson that I have learned is that motherhood is so far from the birthing uh, and the pregnancy that there is a nurturing and a consistency that comes with motherhood that that you can get from adopting a child, from fostering a child, from taking care of your sister's kids. You know, there's just that nurturing thing in you um, that gives you that maternal instinct. And so I believe motherhood for sure, especially the consistency therein, has taught me that it's so much more than birthing to motherhood. It's so much more than, you know, the first, second, and third trimester. Uh, there's so much more to mothering than that. And and I've definitely learned that. Um, your, your book, you wrote a book, best-selling book, Ferocious Warrior, um, and the byline reads, Dismantle Your Enemy and Rise. Before we even get into like the the meat of the book, I just wonder when you pray, like now that you pray, because I think of being a ferocious warrior as really being someone who in the spirit can take control of some stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, which starts with prayer. When you pray, how do you pray? And what is your mindset, especially since you have gone through the struggles with infertility? um, How has that shaped the way that you pray and approach God? 
Oh, wow. Yes, of course. Infertility, I think, completely reshaped my, my prayer life. Um, it, it required me and challenged me to go deeper. You know, I think that we we're good at, you know, God is great. God yeah. is good. You know, we're good at just those basic levels of prayers. Just like, you know, thank you for waking me up this morning. Um, we're really comfortable with those. And then when I got diagnosed with infertility, I was like, oh, God is good. Ain't going to work for this. Uh, you know, thank you for waking me up this morning. I, I need a little bit more than that. And so I, I, my parents never told us that there was a limit to how we could communicate with God or how we could reach God. And so that's how I challenged myself. And infertility, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to tell you I'm mad. I'm mad and I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I'm disappointed and I didn't think that you were going to be that kind of God towards me. And I want you to be able to challenge me in return. So when infertility hit me, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the Bible. I'm going to pray the word of God and challenge him with his own words mm. and see if I get a response. And I did. I got a response. It strengthened my prayer life. It strengthened my faith. It strengthened my uh, my depth of prayer. I tell people all the time that I pray on the level of my faith. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that the stronger your faith is, the more you believe what you're saying. I absolutely believe what I pray, like without a doubt. If I say, Lord, tear down the walls, I believe he's got the power to do so. Mm -hmm. And so um, infertility just kind of created that ferocious fight in me to say, I'm not just going to sit down and let this depression consume me. I'm not going to let this anger consume me. I'm going to figure out a way to pray my way through this. And that's how ferocious warrior. This is, this is powerful. And something that I have thought about a lot over the last six months, because I've also been on like a, just a, a faith journey to understand what faith really is. Something I've thought about a lot is I think we use the word faith wrong. Uh, we say, oh, I have faith uh, because we believe that God is capable, but obviously God is capable because he's God. The question is, what does your faith prompt you to do? Because faith has to, has to prompt obedience. Um, and some people, I think, have never actually had to exercise faith, like for real faith, yeah. you know, like you really have to like believe and act. Um, how would you describe faith? Because in your book, you said uh, ferocious faith believes God relentlessly and follows him even into dangerous and uncomfortable places. Unpack that for us, because that's a very rich statement. Um, ah, faith is it's a trigger word for me, no, no. <laughs> Faith is a trigger word. Um, ah, it's so much to me. Faith, faith is, faithing it was, my first book, Faithing It, literally was birthed from me writing a blog and typing in faithing. Like, I really thought it was a word <laughs> because wow. it is, it's, it's an adjective to me. It's a, it's something that you live, that you yeah. breathe, that you do, that you that you move in. And so faith for me was about believing and trusting God, even in those situations that I don't know about, that, that I'm afraid of. And so infertility 
was a scary valley and a barren place for me to go through. And so I've always, like I said, I was always the child of faith. I was always praying for my family. When, when I had to be tested, when my faith was shattered, it was like, oh, wait, you want me to go through the valley? I, oh, wait, I'm going through the barren place? Ah, okay, so I need to activate a different type of faith for this. And so I believe that just like there are depths to love, there are depths to faith. Um, and if it weren't true, then the Lord wouldn't have said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to the mountain and move it from here to there. This suggests that you can have faith a bigger size than that. Yeah. That there are, there are different sizes of faith. There are different depths to faith. And so faith for me is that shield that I carry, that I walk with, that I live and have my being in, in the midst of barren places. Faith taught me how to find beauty in a barren place. Faith taught me how to find trust in an untrusting situation. Faith taught me how to find love in a situation. I believe that that faith is, is the teacher of our, our heart towards God. I tell people all the time that my dad taught me the strategy of God and, and the strategy of the word of God and how to how to give that strategy and how to um, minister that strategy. But my mother taught me faith. She taught me the heart of God. She taught me the worship of God. She taught me that. And so I think that it's really important that when we look at faith, that we don't look at it as that mustard seed minimum. But we take an opportunity to say, oh, God can do more than that in me. Oh, I can have more faith than that and, and try to shoot for that amount of faith. And so, I mean, like I said, it's a trigger word. I could talk about faith like for hours like, because there's so much uh, when you talk about faith. Uh, it's not a religious thing for me. Yeah. It's not a, a religion thing for me. It's a lifestyle. Faith is a lifestyle for me. It's, it's no different than when you start a diet. And they say, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle change. Faith is a lifestyle change. And, and when you have to have faith for yourself, the only way for you to change your life is to really tap into the depths of it. Mm. That's so rich. Um, I think the the hardest, and, and you know, we, we use the term people of faith. Like we, we say that basically if you subscribe to a religion that you are a person of faith, I think that's such a misnomer. And I think that uh, in many ways that kind of dilutes what faith is, you know, just because you subscribe to a, you know, religious tradition, that doesn't mean that you're a person of faith because faith has fruit. Uh, there should be evidence. <laughs> that's why I love when you said, you know, speak into the wall by faith. Listen, wall, you're out. That, yeah. that, is, <laughs> that is faith. That's what's necessary. Um, I wanted to absolutely, absolutely. I wanted to just switch gears slightly um, and talk a little bit about. I feel like you've been able to carve out just a very um, distinct identity uh, apart from uh, your family and your father and your mother. You've really been able to to step into your own identity. And there, you know, there are a lot of a lot of kids that grow up in famous families that don't do that. Um, so how? How were you able to do that and really kind of stand on your own uh, and, and be Cora as, as your individual self? How were you able to do that? I've always been that. <laughs> I've always 
been Cora. My parents will tell you, as a little girl, I've always been very blunt, very direct, very me. I'm going to say what's on my mind. I'm going to say what's on my heart. I don't... I, I don't care if you like it or not. It's my truth. And I'm going to, that's who I'm going to be. Um, it actually scared my parents when I first started coming out and kind of speaking because they didn't know how I was going to be received because of how blunt and how direct and just raw and transparent I can be. And so I, I just made a point to, I don't want to show people a fake me. I can't keep it up. And so, so yeah. since I can't keep it up, I just rather show you who I am and then you can make a decision on whether you like that or not. And and we can just move forward in, in that situation. And so I've always been that kid. I've always been the kid to say what's on my mind. I've always been the kid to ask questions that were, you know, borderline inappropriate in the situation. <laughs> um that's just like always been me. And um, I think my personality, uh, because I love so big, I think that it it kind of balances my, my strength and bloodness because my heart. And it's like, oh, she loves so much. She's so happy and so joyful, but she also will cut you and, and wrap you up afterwards. And so whenever I do my mentee one-on-one uh, -on -one sessions, I always tell them, you know, I'm going to beat you up, but I'll wrap you up and, and cover you in the end in prayer because that's just the kind of person I am. And so I've, I've always been that. Um, like I said, my dad and, and mom have never put us in a situation to have to be anything other than ourselves. And, um, and it's just been really, really great just to see people respond to my personality and like it, respond to my ministry and be like, you're a rock star. It's, it's overwhelmingly um, humbling for me. So let's, as we get ready to close, I, I just, I have to ask you this question because, because, you know, we're in a moment in history right now, I believe, um, where uh, the, the church in many ways has been turned upside down. Um, and it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I was just on a, a podcast uh, with a group of white pastors and we were talking about how, um, you know, the, the George Floyd incident is not new. Ahmaud Arbery is not new. These are not new things. But it seems like because of the pandemic and people being home, that there's a level of attention being paid that hasn't been paid before. Um, so I would be curious to know, like, how are you experiencing this moment um, and how are you navigating uh, all of this that's happening? Um, well, I, I, like you said, it is it is a moment in history. And I think I keep telling people George Floyd is not, you know, the the reason we're doing this. He is the catalyst for yeah. why we, why we are doing this. And he's like the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. And so we had a lot of straws on our back already. We were carrying a lot already. And then that horrific and it was like, that is, we are done, let's march. Um, yeah. And so yeah. I am, I'm experiencing this movement like any other Black person. Enough is enough. Black lives matter. Let's go out and, and spread that message. Not, not even the movement, but just the message that we matter, that, 
that our lives matter, that, that we have just as much to offer the world as anyone else and have offered the world uh, as, as anyone else. I, this country was built on our ancestors, you know? And so I believe that, that the, the opportunities are being open. We're seeing shifts happening. And I think we just have to continue to walk in those things. I've been talking to my son. I think that's the most devastating part of this is having to talk to our children about what's going on and that racism is a thing and um, and talking to my son about police and trying to navigate that conversation to make him not hate all police officers, but but to also be cautious, you know, and he's six. I, I just, I don't think it's fair that I have to talk to my six-year-old about police officers that could hurt him or see him as a threat in a park, you know? And so I, I believe that this movement is so necessary. I believe that it will bring about an even bigger change than the Martin Luther King movement. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see this world turn, um, turn around for us in our favor. I, I'm just ready for it. Amen. Amen. Uh, the song said a change is going to come and I think uh, it is here. So that's yeah. my prayer. Um, my last question is really just uh, an invitation. So you, you're a light of hope. You're an inspiration to so many people. And I think that especially when we go through dark periods of our life, um, we need other people to walk through that period with us in order to emerge on the other side of it uh, undefeated. So I'm curious, as you reflect on the various challenges you have experienced in your life, uh, is there anyone that you would like to just publicly thank uh, for being there for you and walking through it with you? My family, my family, my, my sister, uh, she is my, my rock. She is my Irish twin. I could, I, I just get teary eyed thinking about it. Um, she's been everything. My sister has been absolutely everything from the beginning whew, of infertility even to now. Um, she has been my rock. She's been my, my encourager. She's been my pusher. Um, and uh, she's allowed me to love her babies as if they were my own before I had my own. Um, and so it has been a way to have her um, as a sister, to have her as a friend. Uh, we say all the time that if we weren't sisters, we may not have been friends. Um, but I'm just so glad that God chose us um, to be uh, to be together and, and to have her. It's just amazing. So if I, if I had to, to shout out anybody, it would most certainly be uh, my sister Sarah. Cora, thank you so much for your time um, and just sharing so transparently. Uh, you're a blessing to me. You're a blessing to so many others. And I just appreciate you. Uh, and also for everyone who watched today, I pray that you were blessed um, and that you are inspired and encouraged as well. I think Cora's story just is, it illustrates the fact that you are never beyond the reach of God's grace. So be encouraged. God bless you.